0: This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. It's a better egg, made from plants. Bring more customers in your doors with Just Egg. Start with a free sample at ju.st hrn. This week on meetin 3, we're turning an
1: eye to food at its trickiest. From imitation olive oil to the pretensions
2: of 3D printers.
1: We were just doing like a birthday party for one of the employees and we printed a steak just for fun.
3: You know, a grape Jolly Rancher isn't going to satisfy your craving for for grapes. So I mean, in a sense, it kind of multiplies the the sensory qualities that we can love in the
2: world. So basically, you culture the cell in a bioreactor, it grows, and then ultimately, at the end, you come out with a piece of meat. Tune in
1: to Meat in 3, available wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues, this is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday, whenever, whenever we want, whenever we do want, whatever, whatever. I'm in uh, the Lower East Side of Manhattan. I'm a little late today. It's like old school me, a little late. Uh, we got Nastasia the Hammer Lopez in uh, Connecticut. How you doing? Good. Yeah, how's the teepee? We could talk about that later.
4: Good. Tomorrow there's supposed to be a thunderstorm, so we'll really see
3: how it. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, we'll, talk, well, uh, well, So before, so we got John. How you doing, John?
2: Hi, everybody. Good. Nice.
3: He's he, he's in uh, he's in uh, what what do you call that? You call it the Murray Hill? What do what do you call it thing? Yep, you, Murray mean? Hill.
2: Exactly. Right. Yep.
3: And we never figured out who Murray was, right?
2: I think he's uh, I think if I remember correctly, a shipping merchant from seventeen hundreds. Hmm. hmm.
3: All right. Uh, not uh, Fred McMurray, whose uh, greatest role was in Double Indemnity. Remember that movie?
2: Never even heard of that
3: movie. Oh my god! Oh my god! Stas, you don't like old movies, right? So you haven't seen Double Indemnity, probably. What that about you, Matt? That is insulting. Yeah, I yeah, have it's at least insulting. I
2: have heard of
1: Double Indemnity. I have not seen. <laughs>
3: Every Double time, time I try to bring it up, you yell at me and say I'm an idiot for asking you whether you've seen it because you don't like to watch things like that. Right. Why is that insulting? I'm I'm happy if you like that kind of stuff because I like that kind of stuff. It's something we can talk about. It would make old movies is
4: a is a very broad genre.
3: Okay.
4: You know the movies I like, so it's weird that you're saying I don't like old movies.
3: Oh, old noir movies. Um, I don't know. Anyway, it's a great movie. Mo- well, I don't know whether it holds up now because I'm sure I'm sure it's I'm sure if I looked at it, you know, with uh, I haven't seen it in 20 years, so I'm sure I'm sure it's viciously anti-woman because the whole theory is is that this woman convinces fred mcmurray which is what made me think of it uh the my three sons guy convinces as an insurance agent to bump off her husband and then because of the way he's dying he gets double indemnity she gets twice the insurance And then it's Edward G. Robinson, if my memory serves me correct, who's the gangster who's often imitated in the Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, that guy. Mm -hmm. So, like, he is not playing a bad guy here, kind of. He plays the insurance adjuster who's like, yo, Fred McMurray, doesn't this seem kind of fishy? Yeah, fishy, right? Fishy, see? Yeah, like that. And so, like, it's a whole thing. But I'm sure that, like, they blame the woman for it and everything like this. I'm sure that's how it goes. I haven't seen it in many years. I'm sure all of noir is like that. Anyways. Uh, so, for those of you that pay attention to our Instagram live, was it last week, Stas? Yeah, it seems like a long time ago, I guess. Seems like a long, long time ago, right? So, last week after the radio show, uh, Nastasia had uh, John and I and Koji the dog uh, up there to put together her teepee. And so now she has a full 12-foot, like, honest-to-goodness TP in Stamford, Connecticut, right? Yeah. We'll yeah.
4: see if it holds up.
3: Well, it's going to hold up for the, but for sure, you said that there's like a, a storm coming tomorrow. Now, for those of you that like Nastasia's place is like kind of crazy, in that, you know how usually when you're along the coast, you don't have like a big lawn. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like Nastasia has a like Nastasia's place is like tiny little house on a big lawn. So everyone it- find me. You know
4: the town, you know the description uh come oh, yeah. one come all
3: yeah okay yeah. um, cool. we'll see if that happens i'll take the blame How about that okay so anyway so i'll give them your address
4: this is you have in the past no i've never given them your address yes. and i haven't given there you there was only address one time where yeah yeah, yeah, something yeah right. screwed up, but yeah, not your uh-huh, address.
3: Uh-huh. someone has um, already
1: set off to walk the entire connecticut coastline looking for a tb
3: that's very leatherman like yeah yeah uh yeah. anyway Anyways, so there's a thunderstorm directions. coming up, right? Oh, so bad, so bad, so bad. Let me put it to you this way: If you're gonna manufacture a teepee, like you only make like two or three sizes, how's about how's about you you make like just you can have your booklet that you made when you were high as a kite in like '78, like, yeah, 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 '78, '80 with the belt with the bell bottoms, everything. Like you can you can smell. You can smell the people coming off the pages 45 years later. You can smell it. You know what I'm saying? But my point is, is that, like, you could just make a single, like, sheet of, like, Xeroxed paper that was like, oh, your particular TP, Yeah, you're going to want this layout. Would it be that hard, Stas? Or just email
4: me a PDF, like, weeks before, you know, because it took yeah. six weeks
3: to make. So I could have read it you know. So I'll give you some hints. So first of all, John and I, I, you know, I'm going to call you out a little bit, Nastasia. Nastasia did receive the instruction, didn't read the damn The day before you guys came, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, because here's one thing. So imagine if you will, like 14 foot long like... Those came weeks before, so they should have told me, yeah. Right. 16 feet, right? 16 feet? Okay, so 16 feet long. Imagine if you took... A bamboo skewer and you just scaled it up to sixteen feet. And that's basically what's you know, they delivered up like it was like like the giant from Jack and the Beanstalk came and just dropped those things on Nastasia's lawn. Pretty much right?
4: Yeah. And they sat there for weeks and I told them they arrived.
3: Killing the grass. Yeah. And uh you know, anyways, but so then the very first instruction, John, in the teepee, what is it?
2: Uh Seal up the the poles with a Loon wax.
4: Linseed oil yep. your poles, yeah. But those yeah. instructions came with the teepee, and that those came the day before you guys showed up. So, yeah, yeah. three
3: coats at least. Us and I
4: was incredibly hungover the day that
3: the teepee showed up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So
4: mm-hmm. my
3: bad. Yeah. Anyway, but even aside from the fact that now she has a an unsealed unsealed poles, as we say uh yeah those instructions sucked they really sucked but it's up there i think it's good to go we'll see we will see there's a big uh thunderstorm you say coming tomorrow so and the reason i was talking about the big lawn was because the tallest thing for miles around is your teepee pretty much (laughs) yeah and it might end up in somebody else's lawn you need to get like a camera. No, it's not the word about that. Very, I want to see the lightning strike the top of the teepee. You need a camera to get that lightning strike.
2: Yeah. Has the neighbors said anything, Nastasia? There was a little bit
4: of something. Someone said one neighbor said the other neighbor asked about it.
3: Oh, I but, love that. I love that. Hey, look, for me it's fine. I love it. For yeah, me yeah, 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 yeah. But you know the other neighbor. Yeah. The other neighbor <laughs> the other neighbor not so much. Anyway. That's that's a classic. By the way, anyone who uses this tactic we see you. We understand what you're doing. It's like it's like when my kids try to like lie to me, and I'm like, I was also a kid once. We understand your lie. Uh, uh, for me, it's fine. It's my. It's the other guy. What other guy? There's no one else next to us. Which other guy? Ah, uh, like that, right? It was pretty right. much like that. Yeah. Hey, yeah. people. Uh, so today is Jen's birthday, my wife's birthday. Where did you get her, and what are you doing? I am uh, cooking her. Well, so we were at uh, we were we went to Connecticut uh, over the weekend, and Miley and Wiley cooked uh, her the the family birthday dinner with uh, you know some delicious cake. And then we're doing I'm doing the like our immediate like just the four of us dinner tonight. So she wanted like, uh, like a like a blast from her past. So I'm doing uh, Jaeger Schnitzel and Spätzle. Um, and then Booker's going to bake a cake. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Should be good. Got her some stuff. we she, she likes. But Jen Jen doesn't like... Doesn't want stuff. That's the problem. You know what I mean? She doesn't we, like you when you spend money. That's the thing. It's not just the money. It's just we have no space. Like, anything that you bring into the house, I need to throw something else away. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the house is... Like our apartment is like little just dribbles of Booker and Dax parts like lying around like like bits of Sears all like you know like uh, disassembled Spinzalls, alls like uh, 3D prints of like jigs and fixtures just kind of like like every little corner has something like shoved into it so she just doesn't want any objects. So you shown. got her nothing. No, but uh, thanks for being a jerk. Wait, so you did get her something. I did, but something small. Something. So, like, it's hard. Like, I have to wait. Like, when it was my birthday, at this point in our life, you know, I just let her know. But, like, I was like, you know what? I want this thing. Because, like, it's hard. To, I'm hard to shop for sometimes. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I got her. She was interested in this little mini personal fireplace thing. She showed it to me online. So I was like, oh, she showed it to me. I will get it. You know what I mean?
4: Like a fake fireplace? I love that. No,
3: it makes real fire, but it's, oh. like, tiny. It's like miniaturized for the house. It's it's Nastasya. When I say miniature, I mean like a remember dollhouse? in Zoolander when he's like, "Is this a school for ants?" Like that size, like a dollhouse. Well, not quite that small size. You, you know, you're going from one to the other. It's like it's like imagine a fire pit that's meant to go on your table. Uh, anyway, she expressed interest, so I bought it. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know. Jack's got her a uh, some some form of back massage, or he I don't know he he bought it I don't know I don't know whether she's gonna like it or not I left it up to him it's it's up to him and that you know at his age it should just be up to him now yeah anyway so I'll let you guys know how the spez you like Spetzel? yeah I think Spetzel's delicious yeah, what about you John yeah it's yeah. delicious and schnitzel very good also. Oh yeah, I'm doing I'm doing pork. She wanted the, she she uh she was in the mood for the pork version of the of the Jaeger schnitzel. schnitzel, for those of you that don't know. So first of all, I've mentioned on the air before that I enjoy and there's good honor in an old school schnitzel that uses standard breadcrumbs and not panko, right? Because that's the way it's supposed to be. Right? Now, you could make a schnitzel out of anything. I think a lot of people here in the U.S., when they make a schnitzel, they do it with the chicken breast because it's super easy to go out and buy chicken breast. You know what I mean? You know what I hate about making stuff like that with a chicken breast? Is that I was teaching Dax how to do it, actually, the other day. It's just like... The chicken guts, it, like the chicken pieces, it spray all over your kitchen and then you have to worry about the chicken pieces all over your kitchen because you know when you put two layers of plastic wrap down on your cutting board and you start whacking the hell out of it, that the, what's the first thing that happens to that plastic wrap? Uh, I don't know. It rips and then there's chicken spray everywhere. And you hit one extra hit with that mallet to get it just thin enough. And there's, like, there's, like, a line of chicken all across your, and, like, and I'm just trying to get Dax to understand, like, what is, like, what is filth and what's not. So he'll, like, he'll, like, fill something with raw chicken, and I'm, like, no, 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 don't touch that. Or he's, like, and he'll put, or he'll put the knife back in the wrong position. I'm, like, don't do that. Or he'll put the chicken, the open chicken package in the wrong place. I'm, like, you don't do that. I'm trying to, like, train him to, you know what I mean? Anyways, so at least with pork, I don't have to worry about it. I to beat the crap out of it and then like wash it down. I don't have to worry about you know salmonella. On it. But she wants to, she wants the pork. What's your guys' favorite uh, favorite uh, schnitzel schnitzel meat? Veal. Veal. Yeah. You guys, yeah, straight on veal. Kalb, yeah. kalb schnitzel. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm doing pork. It was what was we requested. I know how to do the I know how to do the veal, uh, but I think I might. Because I have to F with something. Like typically when you do schnitzel, schnitzels are relatively shallow fried, right? I think I might try to deep fry it. What do you guys think?
2: Okay. Do it. I was actually just thinking – yeah, I was curious about that. So yeah, do that. Let us know how yeah. it goes.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because I bought a, I bought a home deep fryer because I don't have uh, – people might be interested in this actually. So um, – it's difficult. You can't go into a, a Bed Bath and Beyond anymore and just buy a deep fryer. They don't sell them really anymore uh, because everyone thinks that air frying is frying, which it isn't. We all know that air frying is not frying. It's like some form of like quick like impingement cooking, but but it it, it ain't frying. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Like spraying a, like a a par cooked potato with Pam and then putting it into a blast of hot air doesn't equal a French fry. It just does not. Um, anyways, so I bought a they, – they have these new – relatively new whole batch of fryers. And are you guys familiar with the new safety stuff that they have on deep fryers? I'll take this deafening. No, yeah. no. So, uh, so the problem was is that like old electric fryers, what people used to do is they would plug the fryer in, into something and then they would – the worst of worst is they would use an extension cord or they would plug it into something that wasn't directly where it was, and they would pull on the extension cord, and the hot oil will go all over them. Even worse, there's a lot of cases of small children where they've grabbed a hold of the cord which was up high and pulled the boiling oil down on themselves. So it's just like fryers, from a, a safety standpoint were just a huge nightmare. So now they all have these kind of awesome magnetic breakaway cords where it's like the cord pops off. But what's nice about that also is, is it makes it like pretty easy for cleaning. So these new fryers, they're fairly cheap and they mimic a cold zone kind of because they have, they don't heat from underneath, right? Like a, like the old fry daddies used to. They have uh, an immersion heater that's shaped similar to the bottom but held off of the bottom by uh, um, by a couple of, you know, by a couple of millimeters so that stuff can sink down to the bottom and maybe not scorch instantly and then they have the temperature controller strapped right over where that is so that the problem with frying in a in a problem with frying in a in a pot is that A, you're overheating the bottom of the oil, and then if you don't, it's very hard to get kind of a good temperature throughout because unless you're measuring with a probe in the oil, if you're measuring with one of these probes underneath on an induction or something, it's just hard to get a good fry temperature and keep it solid. So these things that have the temperature measurement strapped right to the thing that sits in the the oil do a great job, they're fast, because the heater is relatively large, they don't overheat the oil. And I've been running some tests by actually measuring the oil breakdown over the course of four or five, rise. And in a pot, I can maybe get you know, a couple of fries out of some oil before it really starts degrading. Whereas in this fryer that I'm using now, which is not even expensive, it was like under $100. It was made by I think Secura, I think I can't remember. I can look it up. But uh, I've been I've been getting like five five fries out of this stuff, and I'm measuring the the oil, the total the total uh like polar compounds in the oil like with, with a device that I bought because I'm writing a book on these things, and so I bought a device that let me lets me actually accurately measure the oil that I'm working with. And it stays good, it's crazy, it's very good. So I'll report more on on that later if people wanna know about uh, frying. Um, and I'll let you know, John, and if people care, I'll let them know how the schnitzel works when it deep fries. Some people, I think the problem with deep frying the schnitzel is just they're so big, right, that you don't wanna, like, imagine if, how much oil it would take in a deep fry as opposed to getting the widest pan that you can and frying with it, you know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, the other nice thing about these fryers uh, is is that it it seems like they're real cheap when you get them because they are, but they basically use enameled uh, hotel pans, like six inch deep or maybe a little deeper hotel pans as their oil thing. So you just let it cool a little bit and you can just lift the entire pan off, pour it out and throw the sucker in the dishwasher. So the only thing you're really hand washing is the actual heating element because you can't immerse it. So it's easy to clean as well. Anyway, there you go. Simon Stillwell working on a pea cocktail. Right now I'm muddling the peas, but wondering if nitro muddling would preserve the flavor and color better. I thought I answered this, but um, no. I mean, it might preserve the flavor and color better, but the problem, pea shoots might work. I mean, but they taste like starch is the only problem. You know I, you know I, how I feel about starch. Uh, but the anything that's hard like a pea, you would ne- need to let it freeze for a long time. Uh, and then you'd want to crush it really good. If you did it in a tin it, they get really hard and really solid so it's hard to to freeze a, something as big as a peak as opposed to a leaf without over freezing the tin and if you over the tin it just gets really hard to do a, a, a shaking shaking cocktail so I don't know you might have me try it let me know but you might have some problems with it. Um, From Benking216, I've got a stainless steel version of the liquid bread carbonating cap. Is is it a terrible, messy idea to use that with a cold brew and a tank of nitrogen I got for Guinness on tap? I just don't think you're going to get necessarily a good result. The idea of the nitrogen as opposed to nitrous. Nitrous is soluble, and when you let go of the pressure, it expands. Nitrogen is very not soluble. Uh, and so you need to you need to put it under high pressure and then release it quickly through a nozzle to have the small nitrogen bubbles poof up and do that nitrogen thing because it's not really in solution to the same extent that nitrous is. So I don't know that you're going to get uh, what you want unless you're doing like they do in the ECs where you're putting a lot of pressure, turning it upside down, and spraying it through a, a nozzle. Um from Aragost on Twitter, every sourdough bread recipe agrees that uh, baking... Didn't I answer this, guys? Uh, every sourdough bread recipe agrees that break, baking bread needs steam. If I have a steam oven, can I avoid using the pot plus lid method? How does steam help the formation of the crust? Thanks, Agostino. Um, yeah, you can. So uh, I've heard various... So, like, I've been testing with uh, with the steam oven, with the Anova, and it works great. I put it on 100% steam... Uh, I crank it for, you know, 20 minutes or so, then I turn the steam off and finish the bake, uh, and, and, it, it seems to work great. I've heard various reasons about why the steam does, uh, what it's doing, um, you know, from, uh, you know, retards the formation or the, or the setting of the crust so you get more spring to just making it kind of a thicker crust layer by, like, shock gelatinizing it on the outside of her. And and so the, the answer is I don't know the real reason. Uh, I haven't yet. Maybe I will see, like, a scientific paper that actually gives me a, a, an explanation that I can just look at and agree. I guess I could try to peruse the old, uh, well, the relatively new modernist bread stuff. But the answer is it does work. Answer, I don't know why. Uh, to You know, I have guesses why, but not enough to tell you why. And, and yes, you don't need the pot and lid if you have a steam oven. Um, Sargon. Uh, if, if you
2: think they're repeats, Dave, it's because I delete them as I go unless you don't answer them adequately. Ooh. That's my system.
3: So you're saying you I have answered something? it. I've se- I have answered them inadequately, you're saying.
2: You, well, you might have started it, but then you never finished it. Ah. So. Uh, All
3: like right. the cube video. Ah, the cube video. Hmm. Uh, Sargon wrote in, uh, and this is regarding the Inova steam oven that we did a show with uh, Scott uh, a while back. Uh, the So it's specific to this oven. So sorry if you don't have the steam oven, uh, but uh, if the internal oven has a steam uh, oven controls via injection and an explicitly electronic vent feature, when will that be exposed? Well, A, I mean, Scott has to answer that. The answer is it doesn't have a vent feature. That was another thing that they were looking into doing, and they decided that it wasn't uh, worth the the cost and the fact that it might uh, fail. So it doesn't have that. It just naturally does its own thing. Uh, Steve Yoon Rodin and uh, of poetry fame, of com- of an amberjack, campachi fame. Uh, hey, Anastasia, I vaguely remember you guys mentioning a peanut butter candy company giving up on its fresh-tasting peanut butter because it turned out that people were used to the stale flavor. Uh, it looks like, and that was Reese's, by the way. It looks like re- I think that guy was drunk when he told me that because you know what? Have, have any of you guys ever worked a trade show? Yep. Yeah, it's grueling, right? It sucks, right? Mm -hmm. It really sucks. Especially, like, if you're at the wrong trade show. So, like, I think, like, roughly a third of people who are at a trade show who have bought a booth, they're kind of at the wrong trade show, so they're not doing a lot of business. And so everyone that comes up and talks to them is a joker. So I think this guy had, like, at lunch, like, cracked, like, five or six beers and was just, like, so sick of talking to people that weren't actually going to pay his business money They just started telling me stuff about the Rhesus Corporation. Anyway, uh, Steve says, it looks like Rhesus overcame uh, that problem with marketing. A friend uh, got... uh, some like new Reese's that apparently don't have the stale uh, peanut butter and says that they uh, really like them, says they're stoked about them. I have not had these new like super fresh Reese's, but I like a Reese's.
2: What Steve pointed out and I looked into it, you can sign up to be on the email list at Hershey's, but every once in a while Reese's comes out with Reese's that are like fresh off the factory floor, like within three days. That's what his friend had, yeah.
3: Well, we need to do a side by. Yeah. I mean, cooking issues needs to be a part of this, like, Reese's taste test.
2: Yeah. I'll sign up for the,
3: for the email. Stas, what are your feelings on Reese's? Yeah, let's do it. Let's you like it. Reese's? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where is that in your pantheon of, uh, common candies?
4: Depends on time of the month.
3: Hmm. Not time of the year. Okay. All right. All right. I will not, I will not, uh, pester you further on that. Uh, what about you, Matt?
1: Uh, uh i'm muted <laughs> uh i don't
3: have opinions on rhesus i i should have just stayed muted you don't have opinions on rhesus correct how do you have no opinion i understand like not liking it uh or I liking was, it but, like I was no a ridiculous
1: opinion? child who like really didn't do candy and so like i am sure that i've had a reese's at some oh, point i imagine <laughs> my god
3: you, was this your call or your parents call
1: oh it was totally me i mean well obviously as it's continued like sometime in the past 15 years i probably could have gone out and gotten my own reese's but have i no were you also
3: one of those kids that didn't watch television uh no i
1: watched tv okay
3: it so wasn't. A not, rule. Like, it it was not. It was not a rule. It
1: was just that, like, I would go out, do fun stuff, like get dressed up for Halloween, do all the trick or treating, and then give my candy to other people.
2: Wow. Oh. Do you yeah. like any candy now as an adult, or, or still not?
1: I just eat like straight chocolate bars, pretty much.
3: I mean, with all,
1: uh, with other things, some you know, I'll do like with nuts and stuff and whatever. But like, yeah, I, don't, I still don't really do candy
3: so much. Okay. All right. Uh, could, you know it sounded when you started on that like you were gonna be like, hey, we didn't watch television and we yeah, embr- no, no, we embroidered no, 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 yeah. all day. You know what I mean? No,
1: I I I honestly think this was so, this is why I was so bad at furnishing tasting notes when I was a brewer too because I feel like I missed out on an entire spectrum of things that like of shared flavor things that, like, we we as a culture know about, and I just, like, never tried any of them. I don't have them in my vocabulary.
3: So let me ask you, I'm going to throw some at you. Ready? (laughs) This is going to be very bad. Yes, go. Okay, Watermelon
1: Jolly Rancher. That is one of the only things I would pick out the Watermelon Jolly Ranchers, and I would, and I love them.
3: All right, okay. Because that's also, that's one of those, like, doesn't really taste like a watermelon, but it's an iconic flavor. Flavor.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's a substitute that doesn't try and replace what is there. It just, like, expands our palate slightly. I love Speaking it. of
3: which, like, Apple Jacks, you know what's some BS? Do you know that they, like, add some minute amount of apple now to Apple Jacks? So that the, and it says on the package that it, like, you know, because I always thought the nice thing about Apple Jacks where no, no, no fruit was harmed in the making of this feature. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yet it, now it says, like, with real apples and cinnamon. So, like, they must just, they must, like... You know, like, they have, like, a a vat of, like, you know, 50,000 pounds of grain, and then they, They like, throw throw two apples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Or, like, there's an apple on a desk nearby, and, like, the molecules are wafting over.
3: Yeah, yeah. So you ate sugary cereals growing up. So you're not a monster.
1: I'm not a total monster, but I also, I'm very, it was a very similar thing. I had, like, one, I had Apple Jacks and Honey Nut Cheerios, and those were the only cereals
3: I would try, and I never tried the rest of them. I like Honey Nut Cheerios. They're good. Nastasia, what's your favorite cereal? Other than Count Chocula, I know, but that's seasonal.
4: It really depends. There's so many good ones. It depends on, depends on the if day. If you were gonna
3: have a bowl of cereal right now, what would it be? Um, chocolate Rice Krispies. Ooh. So you like those that kind of dusty cocoa flavor? Mm-hmm. But do you like Cocoa Puffs? No. Yeah, I don't know, I don't like them either. Is it because of the bird or because of the cereal? <laughs> cereal. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, John? <laughs> I don't like that bird either. But what about you, John? Ooh, I never had that. Ooh, so do you like having your mouth ripped apart? Do you like that part of Captain Crunch? So you've got you've calloused the inside of your mouth so that now you're total because to me. Like, to me, the thing about Captain Crunch, and I like them. I'm not saying anything negative about Captain Crunch. Please, I don't want to hear anything about it. But, like, one, even though I don't think that they had fat to it, it always tasted like it had a layer of grease on the outside to me, which is not a bad thing. And then it also, like, felt like I was eating a box of knives because the top of my mouth would be horribly, like, mutilated. What about you, Stas? Do you get that out of that? I don't like Captain Crunch. But do you agree with me on the mutilating your mouth? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that weird kind of like it might be greasy. I like it though. Yeah. Captain Captain Crunch used to also have pretty on point cereal box prizes. I feel like, do they still do the cereal box prize? No
2: idea. No. They did have a bunch of, like, fun things to do on the back, like a map and a little crossword
3: puzzle and all those things. That got the internet, though. I don't need the back of my cereal box to tell me what's fun. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, like, the back of your cereal box, you're like, ooh, this is the the best news I'm going to get all day. But, like, you know, nowadays I have the internet. What do I need the back of my cereal box to tell me something for? it's you know I mean? like you need to tap into your inner child and enjoy the back of the cereal box again. Well, we used to buy cereals based on what had a good prize, and then the first thing you do is rip the entire top off and jam your hand all the way, all the way into the bag. I can still hear all the cereal as it moves out of the way of my hand going all the way through the bag down to the bottom to try to get that prize out. And then you could never, like, you could never make the box look right again because... You weren't supposed to do that. And you were told by your parents not to do that. So you had to like, then you had to smack the two sides of the box together to get it back into box form instead of a pillow form and then close it all up again. We waited. Oh, me, me. We <laughs> co- are animals like you. <laughs> we waited. And whoever got to the bottom of the yeah. box, they got the prize. Yeah, it is true. Ooh. Well, you know what? I don't buy that. I mean like I like that you're saying it. It's a nice. I'm imagining like the Lopez it family sitting around the breakfast table it is wondering, true. "Oh, brother, brother Joey, will you be the one to get the prize?" Yes. Yeah, it is yeah. true. Okay. <laughs> the, the one of my favorite cereal prizes was Captain Crunch made a little blue plastic submarine. And somehow you put baking soda into it. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and it would, like, I forget whether it, it would go down and then come back up because of the baking soda. It did something fun. It was a good, it was good business. It was good. You know what was always weak? The Cracker Jack Prize, always weak. Who needs, who needs, a like, a blurry temporary tattoo? Give me a, give me a sharp one or get me nothing at all. You know what I mean? Blurry temporary.
4: And yet tattoo. you don't have any tattoos.
3: Yeah, no, I don't have any tattoos. There, there's nothing that I would want like permanently. Plus, like I ex- oh, come on, Dave. What's you? Let's say you had to get a tattoo. You had to to keep
4: your family alive. What would you get?
3: How big does that be? Where's it gonna go?
4: Uh, it's gonna go on your bicep.
3: Oh. Mm. Okay.
4: And no, it's gonna go on your forearm.
3: My forearm. Your forearm. So like you know where Popeye has his anchor. Yeah. Oh, Dave! You can just get a
1: get a shirt tattooed on you, so you never, like, literally, never take your shirt off.
3: Ew. Well, that's true. No one would ever see it anyway. So it's just like, it's like I, I could do anything. I could, I could put like a, a dog poop. It wouldn't matter. No one's ever going to see it. Okay, but what would you get? Probably that elf, the elf that I always draw. Mm-hmm. What would you get?
4: Oh God. Um. Uh, oof, I don't know. I really don't. Uh. I don't. Because you're also
3: tattooless, right? Yeah. are we the only people left john do you have one i do not have any tattoos whoa matt nothing wow so we're not we're not useful people (laughs) like we're we're not like we are so far outside of the zeitgeist that whoever's listening should stop listening to us because clearly we have nothing in common with you
1: we should definitely end the tattoo segment right now that seems clear
3: Although I feel it like if you were six years younger than me, the odds of you having a tattoo like went up like by a factor of eight. You know what I mean? Like I was right before that hit huge. I think you know what I mean. You were still a little bit of a still a little bit of a wild child. You know what I mean? At my age, anyway. Uh, Definitely the elf. I think definitely the elf. You haven't chosen yet, right, Nastasia?
4: No, I don't know what I would. No, I really don't know. I really don't. Would it be a word or a picture? I, I don't know picture I
3: guess, hmm. Hmm. but again you hate choosing things like this that are permanent right? Yeah, hate permanence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, don't worry, none of us are permanent. So there's a, there's that. Uh, all right. Um, Dean Turner wants to know if there's any uh, good books on mezcal. We recommend. I attended a Del Maggi virtual class yesterday and want to delve more into. Uh, do I have any specific mez? We have uh, a. Yeah, um, let me get. Let me get back to you, Dean Turner. We should have a uh, Jay back on, or another mezcal expert back on, and just talk talk mezcal. Because I don't want to. I'm not like a super expert in the in like you know what's the current state of the art mezcal book, so I don't want to give any. I don't want to Google a- it.
4: He could Google
3: it. Well, that, that no. They want to know what we think. Mm. Uh, you know what? We should get back on because I had another cookbook uh, question from somebody else on fruits. We should get Matt back on. From Kitchen Arts and Letters. We should, every once in a while we should just have Matt on and just be like, people want to know about this, 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 and he could rattle off like the four greatest books that were ever written on that subject. You know what I mean? Because
0: mm-hmm. we haven't done
3: classics in the field in a long time. I'm not prepared for it today either. We've got to get back on the get back on the classics field
2: anyway. Send them an uh, email, we'll book something. What? I'll send him an email, we'll make it happen. Alright. We'll book something, yeah. Uh,
3: Sam Erickson wrote in about uh, Jack Schram's article on fat washing. Uh, I'm a novice, so forgive me if there's something obvious I'm missing. Milk has fat in it, especially whole milk. So what makes milk washing different from fat washing? Uh, from a quick Googling, it, uh, it seems that fat washing generally adds flavor while milk washing strips it. Both processes add body, but does milk washing do it better? What's so special about milk that makes it better than other fats? First of all, milk does a body good. That's what's so special about it. Feel free to cover this on the radio show if it's easier. Well, here I am covering it on the radio show. They are completely different. Uh, milk washing would work even if you used skim milk. It's just I will never recommend people buy skim milk because I don't want it to be produced because I believe it's a monstrosity. I believe that it shouldn't exist. Um, So uh, if the fat is not the important part of milk washing. In milk washing, the important part is the milk proteins, right? So you're using the casein in the milk to bond on to astringent things, and then you are curdling it and stripping out the milk protein, but you're leaving the whey protein, which is what you, when you say adds body, actually adds texture when you shake it. When you shake it, it gets foamy, like almost like not as much, but almost like you put an egg white into that sucker. So that's what milk washing does. Fat washing doesn't necessarily add any body. What you're doing there is you are taking a flavorful fat. So think bacon grease or uh, fancy olive oil or some sort of flavored fat, with no liquid in it. Fat washing has no water based, you know, the more water based stuff in it, the less it's fat washing. And so Don Lee, you know, my partner at ExCon, Con, uh, he hated more than anything on earth when people would call, well, that's not true. In terms of mislabeling things for cooking, he hated when people would uh, call things fat washing that weren't. In fat washing, you are taking a flavorful fat and then you are taking alcohol, not water, not water, alcohol, right? And the reason you're doing alcohol is because the whole idea of fat washing is there are things that are in fats that are more, much more soluble in alcohol than they are in water. And so you're using the alcohol because this whole thing is based on the old technique of enflorage, right, where you would take flower petals, you would layer them into uh, deodorized uh, animal fat, and then on these big sheet tray, on these big trays, you would layer all of them, and then you would turn them, and you keep turning them until the fat was completely imbued with these like non-polar aroma compounds from the flower petals you would then take that fat which now had the the floral elements in it and then you would wash that with high proof ethanol right and so then these these things that were you know not polar that weren't that weren't soluble in water would go into the ethanol and you would get these great very delicate kind of floral things um florage and so uh, fat washing is like a take on this kind of enflourage technique where you're using alcohol as the solvent to remove or to strip flavors out of the fats and into the liquor. Does that make sense? Was that a decent answer? Is that going to make it off the list this time, John?
2: Yep. i deleting
0: it right now. Good work. All right. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based consumers in your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.ste/hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier with no cholesterol and less saturated fat. And it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, great for omelets, frittatas, stir fries, and French toast. There's also frozen, pre-baked, folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andreas calls Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, it's so good I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest-growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st slash hrn.
3: Isabella De Giulio wrote in, hey, uh, Anastasia, uh, John, and Matt. Uh, I'm excited to actually finally write you. I know it might be, uh, I think I, I feel like I've read this. I know it might be a tad mad, but I've listened to nearly 300 of the episodes. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. How many have we done, Stas? I don't know. 452. 452? 452. Yep. Oh. oh, so in two episodes we're 454, we need to burn all of our paper. My 454. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: uh, 450- Four? One. Four, right. 454. 454? One. 451. Oh, we
1: already missed it? We missed it last week. Oh, crap.
3: Should have, uh, you know, lit everyone on fire last week. And we could have. We were all in the same room. We could have just started a big paper fire and burnt us all down. And in fact... Nastasia was, you know, for once, saying that I did a good job with the paper fires helping her get her flu working. But I don't think she said it on air. But anyway. Yeah. No. But you know, if your flu doesn't draw properly, people, like odds are you just need to heat that thing up. So if you don't want to smoke your house out while you're heating it up, get a get a very fast burning fire, like 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 a lightly wadded, lightly crumpled paper, and just. Super heat up your flu. Does anyone just make like, does anyone just like make a a, a flu warmer? Like, no. where you, have a look. you know what you could get, Stas, if you're interested? I you know torch attach a propane Like a weed, like like a weed to... burning torch. Yes. Okay. But it works now, so. All right. All right. Uh, it's been a real joy, uh, source of laughter. Uh, thanks. Uh, and information, especially as I'm still on furlough and live alone. Uh, I love listening to them at home. I'm super fruit obsessed uh, about figs and just love fruits and vegetables. And I was wondering what your favorite books and sources of information are on fruit. This is a good question for Matt. Because the minor, I tried to find that book you mentioned, Fruits of Brazil, but I could not find it. You can buy that book directly on the um, um, Fruit and Spice Park in South Dade. I think you can buy that book directly, but I don't really recommend like you need to have a very particular mental outlook to actually like that book. It's completely useless. You can't buy any of those fruits. So it's more like every time I look at it, I'm like, I need to get to Brazil. I need to get to Brazil. I need to get to Brazil. Um, I was wondering your favorite books and sources of information on fruit. Um, okay. I spend most of my time eating or sourcing fruit this summer. I'm going to travel to meet more fig farmers. I like how it's more fig farmers, how like you've already met like tier one of fig farmers, and now you're down, you're moving down to tier three and four of fig farmers. Uh, at the moment we are getting incredible Indian mangoes like the Alfonso and the season has just started. I hope next year to travel, uh, for the season in India. Uh, oh yeah. So I have not, I've never been to India. I want to go. Uh, Harold McGee says he's going to get us a hookup in India. The Fairchild has the best collection of mangoes in the United States. Um, I, maybe there's someone in Hawaii that has a decent collection as well, but the Fairchild in um, also in South Dade has like the greatest collection of mangoes. But we, Nastasia and I, we were not necessarily treated the best there, right, Stas? Nope, we were not. They kicked us out in the rain. Wouldn't let us eat, and the lady was like, "I'm cooking breakfast. Get out!" Remember that? It was so weird. <laughs> yes. We had flown all the way from New York just to eat. Those mangoes. We had ostensibly gotten permission to do so. And then, like, they, you know, and we didn't even want anything. We just wanted to be left alone. She tells us not to pick the mangoes off the trees because they need to save it for people that she cares about. Remember this? Yeah. And so we're picking ones that we that just fell, and we're writing notes, and she's like, You don't know anything about that mango. You pick that off the ground. You need to pick that off the tree. We're like, You just said I can't pick the mangoes off the tree. And then, like, you know, we're trying to, like, like, it's raining so hard. And we're trying to eat these mangoes. We're trying to keep, it, like, in a good frame of mind, right? And it was tough. It was tough, right, Sass? Yeah, not fun at all. Yeah. And yet, you don't give me crap about that. You give me crap about our citrus tasting and the fact that you that had to horrible. sit through that lunch.
4: Horrible lunch. Worst lunch ever.
3: Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I hope next year you travel uh, for the season in India, as well as citrus season in Corsica and California. Look, if you're going to do this, you need to become a member of the Flute, Fruit Explorers Club, and uh, you need to get uh, you need to contact David Carp. Anyone who's this into it, David Carp would be happy to talk to you about it, right? And we could, he he knows what the best books are. He's the one that uh, recommended uh, to you all the uh, the pornographic French apple book. Remember that? Yep, I have it. Yeah, I mean. You know, you can buy those things now. Like people have started like commercializing that again. What are your thoughts on this this Apple technology versus the Apple head technology?
4: I think nothing
3: beats the Apple heads. Yeah, yeah. I could have, I could have, could have, should have guessed that. Uh, question, uh, questions. I have uh, had uh, questions. I have had. What would you cook for yourself if not a poached egg? I mean, I don't ever cook for myself. Except for poached eggs, what else do I cook for myself?
4: Poached you eggs. Open a tin of tuna fish. Sardines. sardines.
3: Sardines. Sardines. Big difference. You do you like sardines in a can? Yep. They're delicious. Mm-hmm. I know John loves a canned fish. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. What, what are your feelings on a canned fish, Matt?
1: I have not met a canned fish that I that I don't like. I like them all.
3: Yeah. All right. You know what I don't like? Let me ask you guys this. Are you familiar? So, like, there are some canned fishes that I think. First of all, on sardines, are you guys skinless, boneless, or not skinless, boneless? Not. Not. Now, when you when you do it, do you take the fork and lift the two fillets apart and lift the little weird bony parts yeah. out, or you eat it? Okay. Do any of you eat the bones and like that weird gritty calcium garbage? Are sure you dude? Do. I don't. Really realized that was an option. What, you there, just go what? for them yeah people just go for them wow okay what about you john
2: uh no i'm with nastasia on this one
3: yeah so um one of the you ever bought and it's the they're the weirdest shaped cans in the canned food aisle you ever bought the canned salmon no okay so canned salmon not it doesn't come in like you know uh chicken of the sea style little tuna fish cans It comes in this weird can that's like the like the height of a soup can but it's actively tapered actively tapered so when you look at it it like it looks it's not quite as tapered as a pint glass but it's like tapered and i feel like they must have bought all of these cans in like 1956 and they're still trying to run through them because ain't nobody want the canned salmon because they just take a chunk of the salmon They jam it into this tapered can, bones and all, and then they just pressure it up. And then like there's all these calcium-y bones that you have to pick out of it. I don't know. I'm trying to see whether any of you guys were down with this or have had any experience with with this tapered canned salmon. No, I don't know. Yeah. John, you?
2: Nope, never seen
3: it either. What are your thoughts on potted meats, though? You like a potted meat?
2: Like, what are you thinking? Yeah, no, yes, I guess, yeah.
3: Like under like Underwood style deviled meat in a can. I like that stuff. Tastes like 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 dog food in a good way. You know what I mean? Like protein breakdown products. I like. Actually, it. I
2: don't know if I've ever had that. So.
3: Do you like yeah. do you like Vienna fingers? Those little watery, weird, pasty sausages in a can.
2: Kind of. I mean, I'll eat them, but I would never buy them. Hmm.
3: Yeah. I don't imagine that Anastasia would like those. No, not really. Yeah. All right. Uh. So anyway, so the answer, uh, Isabella, is that I would probably just open a can of something and and eat it. Uh, and they want to know what you guys would cook for yourselves. Well, Nastasia, you've talked about it. you can talk about it some more. What are you cooking for yourself now?
4: Um, Trader Joe's
3: meats. Appreciate oh, you're so. But you're doing meats, but Trader Joe's. Why? Because they come in good portions.
4: No, there's always extra. They don't do one, one human portions there.
3: The, if you're willing to. St- do frozen? They have a lot of individually packed Whoa. like uh, fish things. So like they. Hello. Booker, I'm on hey, the radio. Bookers. Hello. Someone's here. No, that was Dax leaving for school. Hello, Sorry. hello. Booker, you want to say hello to the people? Hey guys. Oh, hey Booker, you want to get so Booker? He, he can't hear you guys, but because yes. oh wait, so, but you know he you can hear main him. has uh, him a headphone. Here's here's a headphone, Booker. Here, you want to, if you want to hear no, those things? Um, saying. you're good. All right, so Booker recorded. <laughs> one of the intros for cooking issues and then sped it up slowed it down sped it up slowed it down and then as the imagery for it he has a picture of when i'm screaming the intro of watson which is our smaller dogs ears getting pinned back in fear
0: <laughs> and when you say the live part he blinks
3: watson blinks yeah so you know where booker, can we see that yeah where is this video so booker where are you going to upload are you going to upload it to your subway nyc instagram account I don't It's not copyright. It's ours. It's us. Yeah.
1: No. That sounds good to go. Let's do
3: it. Yeah. Anyways, I got it right here for you. Right here. All right. Play it. Play Get over here closer. They can hear it from from the mic. Sure. Let me let me get it up. Get Uh,
1: it. In the meantime, Holden Trout says the last Holden Trout says the last can of salmon they bought had large visible tapeworms in it. Never again. Yeah.
3: Are you familiar with the... Hold on, like, give me a minute. I gotta... All right, go come back anytime. You come back anytime in the next, like, five minutes, and we'll be good. <laughs> so, uh, are you familiar with the band Lard? Which was... Uh, uh, Lard was a... Uh, what's it called? A collaboration between Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys and uh, uh, Al Jorgensen from Ministry. And well, no. Yeah, and their most famous, maybe only, the only one I know, song is called The Power of Lard. And uh, Jello Biafra was doing the singing, if I remember. And the line is, Lard is the tapeworm in a bottle of cheap tequila that comes alive at night and sneaks out to bite your nipple. Lard! Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. It, it's not a good song. Like... uh Everyone in my family hates all of those like Jello Biafra collaborations, hates like uh, like uh, the Limba Maniacs, all oh, hates hates any of that stuff from all that right, era. Here we go. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to turn it all the way up. Yes, you will. Hello, welcome to Cooking Issues. This is I your host of Cooking Issues coming to Yes, That's real slow, books. We're going to be here all day. Related note, we only have like 10 minutes left. (laughs) Oh, my God. Is this how you de-triggered yourself from having me say it by playing those weird ways? Oh, my God. All right. Jeez, I feel geez. as
1: though we should have inquired how long this video was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All
3: right. I got to answer some more questions. folks. Oh, right. Goodness. So 10 minute warning. 10 right. minute warning. All
0: right.
3: All right. All right, all right. Uh, all right. Uh, OK. So Isabella can't have gluten or dairy as I can't really uh, eat and don't eat meat, which is sad for an Italian. What are your favorite fish dishes and vegetable dishes? I have a very good vegetable dish. You ready for this? Vegan. Vegan. Uh, it's a dish I've been. It's the one vegan dish that I've always kind of accidentally made, um, and it's uh, it's based on kind of a Navratan style uh, mix. I don't have the exact recipe because uh, I forgot to get the exact recipe. But the idea is, take spice mixture uh, of your choice, right? Uh, but typically it's like uh, a little bit of uh, cori- like coriander, and I, I usually put like a like a little bit of cardamom. You saute the heck out of some onions. And um, you then you sauté whatever spices you, you add your choice doesn't not don't go too, doesn't it's not a spicy dish but you can add whatever spices you like there. Then um, canned pineapple. Oh, before you put the canned pineapple, some cashews like a bunch of like cashews. Sauté those in with it. Then um, canned pineapple, tomato paste, and uh, coconut milk and you then you probably will not need any sugar but you'll need salt and sometimes i'll hit it with soy or some sort of umami stuff and then you blend that and that's a great sauce base for uh like uh, and we typically do that in bowls with uh, steamed vegetables but it's like it's kind of a, a bootleg uh navretan, and we make that a lot so that's real good and it lasts a while is that helpful or no um yeah. And what are your top fruits that you uh, can eat so many and have to hold yourself back to stop eating them? You got any of your top fruits, Dust? To
4: passion
3: fruit. Oh, yeah. What's the most you've ever eaten? Have you ever, ha- have you ever stopped eating them because you wanted to or just because you ran out? Ran out. You know what? We got to go at some point once this is all over. We got to go and visit uh, like a farmer. Put them on, like a passion fruit like farmer and say, listen, what's going to happen is is like we're gonna put you on this show. Whatever you need, whatever you need out of us, we're gonna give you. And then you're just gonna keep bringing passion fruits to Nastasia until she says stop. And I'm just gonna count. Sounds good. You wanna do that?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: That'd be great. Uh, when I was in Panama once, I was with uh, Andy Ricker and some other people, and we bought like you know those like uh, like laundry bags, like those mesh bags that are like that, that like onions come in the giant sacks. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like not the two pound ones you get at the grocery store like the industrial ones, the big ones uh, we had a sack of mangosteens and we ate that whole damn thing and I, and if someone had handed me more mangosteens I would have been like yes I'll eat more mangosteens I once ate so many kiwis in a row that my mouth started bleeding and I don't even love I mean I like kiwis but I don't love them it's just once I'm in a fruit mode I just keep going I've, have I told the raspberry story on the air before? no So I was 20, I don't think I was married yet. So I was 23. And I had just graduated college. I was making, uh, I was, you know, had a really crappy job making like, you know, almost nothing. And um, we went to pick your own. And in my mind, pick your own was like, well, it's like free, right? I'm picking my own. Like, that's like all the money's in the labor, right? So like, it's not it's going to cost me anything. So like my sister-in-law, Miley, who now runs the Food Network... Uh, by the way I got to mention that um, myself and Jen were picking our own raspberries and I have Stas, you know how I am I wasn't picking any raspberries Jen was picking raspberries Miley was picking raspberries I was just eating raspberries right I didn't pick anything I spent the entire time we were out there in the in the raspberry patch eating raspberries So then they have these like big bu- big buckets like giant tubs and we get up to the to the thing and we're like we're like 10 people back in line And I start seeing people ringing up and how much money this costs, right? And I'm like, oh my God, we there's no way we're going to pay for all of these raspberries. What the hell are we going to do? So I was like, hold on a minute. So I take our buckets and I go back into the raspberry zone, into the raspberry patch. And Jen and Miley are thinking that I'm going to dump these raspberries, right? And instead, I just go back in there, and I'm just face hoovering, like double-handed jamming raspberries in my mouth, like as fast as I can possibly do it. I've never, I've never eaten, cause because you can never afford it. I've like it, it's like imagine if you were to dive into a pool of raspberries with your mouth wide open, and you were just a tube, you were just a, a tube like 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 a worm, and that's how many raspberries were going in your mouth. And I came back with like. Two, with like two pints of raspberries It cost us like five bucks. And then there were right next to it, or ten bucks, right next to it there was a little thing, and I, I could barely move because my belly was so full of raspberries. There was a little thing called a sin bin, and it's like, because we know you've tried them out in the field, so I put five dollars in the sin bin, and that was it. So that was my raspberry moment. And it was, I still love raspberries, but it took me at least a day before I could eat another raspberry. That's how much I like raspberries. that's the only That's the length of time I had to take off. What about you, uh, John? You ever fruited up anything big?
2: No, I I think in a similar vein, I think it was was either raspberries or blueberries when we were living in France, and yeah, I don't know, whichever one it was, I was just sucking them down, but I was like eight years old, so I don't remember, but that's probably like the most intense fruit binge I've been on.
3: My favorite way to eat blueberries is to put them in a quart container and basically like drink-chew them, you know what I mean? And like my standard serving is three quarters of a quart of blueberries, I don't blend them or anything. I'm just like, hung-a, hung-a, hung, because I think berries taste better in huge quantities. Like, I don't believe a berry tastes better like one at a time. Do you guys believe that? No. No, they don't. Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out, uh, speaking of since I mentioned Miley, uh, Wiley, my brother-in-law Wiley Dufresne, has his uh, his pizza pop-up, Stretch Pizza, at uh, at Bread's in Union Square. So go check it out. He has... Uh, they were very crispy, super crispy. In fact... He was like, he was, he's been working, he's been talking to me about these pizzas, he's been working on pizzas for a while. And he's like, yeah, we just changed the recipe, and, like, we get, it's real crispy, like, I'm super happy with it. So then I was like, yesterday, he's like, How is the pizza? I was like, good, really, really crispy. He's like, was it too crispy? Too crispy? I'm like, Wiley, what are you, freaking nuts? What are you, crazy? You've been working on crispy this whole time, because he wants, like, that New York-style, like, crispy crust. You like crispy, or you like floppy crust does? Crispy. Crispy. So you would like it. And he has, of course, he's wily, so he has some interesting flavors. He has a, he has an everything bagel pizza. Which sound, it sounds good, is good. What do you guys think about the idea of an everything bagel pizza?
4: Uh, it's I not like tomato based. Bagels. It's
3: not a tomato sauce. It's a white sauce. Sounds good. I don't like
2: everything bagels.
3: Ooh, some I'm Jenny's like that ice drop.
2: cream company came out with an everything bagel spice ice cream. That sounds a little strange to me.
3: Mm. I mean, I would eat it. I would eat it. Uh, you don't like everything bagels? What's your favorite bagel flavor? Mm, plain. Really? Mm-hmm. You know what? I kind of appreciate that about you. Uh, egg or plain plain? Uh, plain. And do you like plain cream cheese on it? Yep. Lox? Yep. Any tomato or anything or just plain? Just plain. Mm. A little salt? Uh, Sure. Do you put tomato on or no tomato?
4: Depends on the season.
3: Okay. I'm just curious. I just, it's interesting facts. Again, I kind of appreciate it. Um, the uh, other thing he did that uh, people who know Wiley know that he uh, likes a scrambled egg. Doesn't like, loves a scrambled egg. He did a scrambled egg calzone with like a thin, hyper crispy calzone with like scrambled egg in the, on the inside. Scrambled egg, not overcooked. What do you think of this concept? It sounds good. It was good. You should go to uh, Stretch Pizza uh, right off Union Square and give it a shot. I don't know how long the pop-up's going to last. He said it's indefinite. So, obviously, if it's indefinite, I don't know how long it's going to last. Anyways. Uh, Alright, anything else we're missing? I got some more questions. I'm. Uh, oh, Rob Russo, on the way out, wants to know, have we ever tried Mandarin quats? Nastassi is the queen of the Mandarin quat. Are you not? They're real good. They're real good. I like any form of quat. I think, like... I think kumquats and any form, some of the like lime quats and stuff are a little too sour to just sit there and pound all day. But I was very disappointed in my children because I couldn't get them to appreciate uh, uh, kumquats or any, any kind of fancy quat, and I take that as uh, a sign that I've failed as a parent because they are they are delicious. But Rob will send you a pound of his man- Mandarin quats if you want to check out. Listen, Rob. When Nastasia was in California, she would go to the Santa Monica Market like on the regular and just search out the world's greatest quat formats. Is that not true, Stas?
4: Yeah, I miss all of the stuff there and the giant artichokes. Mm. Mm.
3: Yeah. You, you, but you don't trim your artichokes at all, right? No. You and you like your artichokes just basically untrimmed, plain boiled. Yep. Okay. And do you don't do you you don't peel the stem at all?
4: No, I, I trim this, the stem down to the base.
3: All the way, so you don't even eat the stem? No, I don't. I take the end of the stem off and then peel it because I find, I think it's delicious. You ever you ever buy the crappy little ones and do the full turning where you turn it and basically throw everything but the heart away? No. Real pain Ooh, fabricating those. The key.
2: worst, the worst.
3: What, fabricating those things? That. Yeah. yeah. And, and And then you forget to wash your board adequately and your board is bitter? Oh my God, yep. bitter board. You ever had a bitter board problem?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. the bitter
3: board. and what and john what do you add to your poaching liquid uh to keep the stuff uh from turning do you do what do you do classic are you like uh what, what do you do lemons lemons i yeah. used to i used to so where anastasia uh used to live and i used to live but not at the same time never at the same time there was a a, a cheap fruit market called styles and they had two different styles markets there was the you know one that was four blocks south and one that was three blocks north of where i lived and then uh, and they were super cheap but every once in a while they would get kind of like just slightly over the hill artichokes and they were fundamentally free you ever done that at, at style stas yeah oh yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and so like for a period for the 5 years that i lived in that neighborhood i cooked an unbelievable amount of artichokes just because you would go in and you know, you couldn't even carry the amount of artichokes you could afford. That's how cheap the artichokes were at Styles. Okay. And so, like, yeah, we, I would do I would do artichokes every which way. So I got really fast at turning artichokes. Not a skill you necessarily want. But, yeah, I got real fast at turning. But Nastassia doesn't appreciate a turned artichoke. I find, Nastassia, that if you're going to have a bunch of people over, they prefer them kind of poached off and then quartered into hearts that have been turned and everything.
4: Just saying. Okay, that's not my experience
3: you you think people regular randos like to have like that all that huge pile of leaves and they're dipping and dipping and straining it in their teeth i like doing that
4: i that's the only way i serve it so if they don't like it they can get out like
3: it, yeah. they can get the hell out and do you do you serve both butter and mayonnaise no just butter ooh i'm a mayonnaise man john I'm mayonnaise.
2: only mayo yep yeah.
3: yeah matt where are you where are you on this now choose wisely
2: Uh, I can't be the
1: tiebreaker. I I was spacing. out. I didn't listen.
3: Artichokes. (laughs) Mayonnaise or butter? Butter. Oh, Christ. All right. Cooking Issues. Cooking Issues is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com/slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you.